Welcome to the Infinite Curiosity. And we're only using that name because the Enigma Explorers was just too complex and, well, shit, we couldn't find a website for it. Too many E's. Too many E's. I'm Adam. Uh, I'm Mitchell. So we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, some stuff that kind of rattles around in our brain a little bit. We're talking a little bit about what life is, well, what the hell the purpose of life is. We we supposed to just sit here and work 40 hours a week and... 50 hours, whatever it is, and then just go on to our meaningless lives of sleep and video games. That's right. You need to stop being a pussy about it. I mean, uh, we could just wrap it up right there. I mean, this will be the shortest episode ever. <laughs> but seriously, like, is there anything anything that we can really do? Is there anything that, like, we supposed to be here? Are we supposed to be doing anything? Are we supposed to, I don't know, worship God all day? Are we supposed to, I don't know, just be hedonistic in life and just seek pleasure, although that does sound like a pretty good idea. I don't think so. I don't think hedonism is a, is a great idea. I don't know. You gotta think that if you're, just, if you're here and you can't figure out why you're here and you're going out and you're just looking for pleasure in life, I mean, why not? Why not just take that hedonistic approach? Because that's what creates, like, war and conflict and greed. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... It's still pleasure and everything else. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather have less pleasure and also less suffering? Well, it depends. Are you looking out for everybody else in the world or are you just looking for yourself? Is it all about you? Is this whole thing revolve... Is this whole thing revolving around Mitchell? I don't think so. And while we're talking about this, I'm trying to get my dog to eat, too, so... I think that would be a little better. Things revolved around me, you know? <laughs> I think we'd be one fucked up world right now. <laughs> we'd have a great world, are you kidding me? Yeah, but if, okay, how about this? How about everybody just, does, nobody exists except until you bring them into your existence. Only when it's relevant for you do you actually, do they become real? I think that's, isn't that solipsism? It could be. It's an interesting idea. I mean, you could always take that idea that we are everybody. We are the only people here. We are just one person living an infinite amount of lifetimes simultaneously. I mean, that would be awesome. Why would it be awesome? Then you're never really interacting with somebody else. You're always interacting with just another version of you. Which means you hate you. You love you. You kind of like you. You're frenemies with you. Yeah, and that makes the whole experience more interesting. Because, Doesn't you know, it kind of make you just multi-personality? No, I mean, well, for you to exist, there has to be other than you. That's just, you know, for there, in, order to really, in order for there to be light, there needs to be dark, etc. So, I mean, of course, if you exist, then there needs to be not you. Oh, like an anti-you. Not, not even anti, it just has to be other than you. So is, in your world, is there a god? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's no proof, but I mean, I'd like to think that there's a god that exists. I don't know, I think it's pretty hard not to believe in a god, and I know atheists around the world right now are just screaming because they don't want to believe in a god. They don't want to believe or have to answer to any kind of higher authority. Determinism, Right. That your life is, is planned out. But it doesn't have to be that way with God. You can you can sit there and, you know, he might have the best possible course for you. But 
he can't he can't overcome free will. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that would be a god if that if they can't overcome free will. Well, he gave you the choice of free will, so that was something he elected. So it's not something that he chose not to overcome. It's it's something that he voluntarily gave away. Why can't God exist without free will? Then you're talking about complete determinism, that your life is predetermined. Maybe it is. It's very possible. That means this podcast was already determined. What happens to you today? What happens to you tomorrow? How many times you get laid is predetermined by God. Well, I mean... And if that's really the philosophy, why even bother to try anything? It's going to happen anyhow. Well, I mean, what if it's what if it's more like your all pa- all possible routes you could take on life in life are predetermined, but then your actions determine which route your life follows. So you're talking about a multiverse theory. Well, right. I mean, like I said, you know, for in order for you to be, there has to be other than you. So I think, you know, if we're in a universe, assuming that's not all a simulation or that this all even exists. I don't know. Do you like simulation theory? I am. Um, I don't know. I think it has its merits. And I know that there was like some CIA documents leak that says this is all basically an energy hologram. Uh, yeah, but there was also there was also government documents that were leaked that said that UFOs were coming out. Yeah. There was also this great theory that it came out and it said that, you know, uh, everybody since the beginning of time has always thought of control. And even uh, Joe Rogan had talked about this and we knew that at one point in our life or all society knew that the only way that we could come together as a civilization was to unite against a dominant force. So back in the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, right, we were talking about God. So when we created the soul. So now today, right, with more people becoming atheists or leaning more towards a science-based future, now we're talking about UFOs. And coincidentally, now all of a sudden we're talking about more UFO experiences, more people recording and documenting them, and even the ones that happened down in Brazil, where the entire town was swept up with that they caught two alien creatures and they have the UFO right there. It's the Roswell of Brazil. I don't know. I've, I haven't seen any like really convincing evidence that aliens are out there right now. But have you seen any evidence that aliens don't exist? I mean, we look up, we look up, and you look in the sky and you look at and you see universe after universe. You're actually, you're only seeing your, your own Milky Way galaxy. You really can't even see beyond that with the naked eye. But when you spread it out, you look at everything. It's, it's such a vast, enormous space that how could you think that something else wasn't out there? It's just us. We'd be so egotistical to believe that it's only humans in this world. Well, I mean, as I think it's important to remember, I mean, Earth is pretty, was pretty early as far as, like, developing on it on time since the Big Bang. Uh, that's true, but there's also things that are earlier and things that are far later than us, and we've, we've made that criteria that 
the only really thing that we need is water and proper heat source. Right, but I'm saying, you know, what if it's just, what if life is just incredibly rare in the universe? That consciousness is this thing that's just not very common. Well, is that some, well, okay, but are you just saying that because you want to feel more special about your life? No, not at all. I mean, I think, I still think the likelihood that there is an alien civilization out there that's also intelligent is, is higher than not. But at the same time, I mean, it's entirely possible that we're among the first intelligent civilizations in the universe. It's possible, then you couldn't explain the idea of UFOs. I can absolutely explain the idea of UFOs. I mean, how many government projects go on constantly that are top secret, that nobody talks about, and then you find out 10, 20, 30 years later about what was going on today? I mean, like, you can look at the, um, the, the Air Force pilot, I believe it was, that caught a, like, tic-tac-shaped... UFO flying at like incredible speeds. You're talking about the one in the Pacific Ocean. I believe so. I mean, that could literally just be a military top secret project. Well, according to that pilot, he was turning around and and that UFO was defying everything that we know about gravity and the G-forces of the occupants inside and, and the rate at which it would turn and maneuver. And we were also thinking that everything is going to look like a human. Or somewhat humanoid and be affected by the same way that humanoids are affected, so that it couldn't tolerate G forces of, you know, anything exceeding 10, 10 Gs. I mean, I think there's that's, I don't know. I think it's entirely possible that we've developed technologies that allow us to, you know, shift direction at incredible speeds and tolerate the G forces. But how do you do that with somebody inside? So if that if that item is or object is, you know, able to make a ninety degree turn, at you know over Mach three, you know whatever is inside piloting that craft has to also tolerate that incredible G force well, that's you exerted. You don't know that there there could be technologies that negate G forces. That's you true. Know, and, and I'm saying, I mean, you can listen to like. I mean, maybe it's a combination of, like, alien technology and government research, right? I mean, like, you can listen to, um, I think it's Bob Lazar, and he, he tells, he has a story where he was working at, uh, Area 51 on a top-secret research project, and that there was this device that created its own gravitational field. I mean, but he was doing that research decades ago. Well, I mean, that's, but do you think you'd be able to hide something that big? The government probably could. I don't know. I mean, the government hides a lot more than we think right now. I mean, just like I said, and we were talking about this before, we'll pick up Google, and how come I don't connect to, and you say it's algorithm, but why can't I connect, or why doesn't Google list out, you know, uh, websites with other countries? Uh, why is it predominantly the USA? We could always argue that. It's not, you're not in other countries. I, I understand that, but if we're looking for the most relevant documentation... Or the most relevant search. And what? Hold on. And what's the most relevant to you? Well, wouldn't the most relevant be the most accurate? The more. Well, I'm just asking you. You know, if there's some new document or new policy published in Niger, right? Does that is that really relevant to you? Uh, Versus a legislation, a legislated, a change in legislation in the U.S. Well, 
Yeah, but I'm not. What if I'm searching for policy documentation there? Then you can find that. Okay. So what if I'm looking for UFOs? If I go on, if I look at Google right now, and I just type in UFO sightings, chances are the most, the, what's going to populate is is going to be a USA based website. So is there a way? Do you think the U.S. is turning around and they're keeping secrets from us on that enormity of a scale? Are we being blanketed out? Are we being, I guess, censored? The same way that we look at people from the Chinese or the Chinese Republic, are, are they being censored? Are we being censored in the same way that we only get to see what they want us to see? I mean, look, I mean, there's obviously there's going to be propaganda no matter where you live. I mean, that's just a fact of life. I mean, you could look, you know, in the U.S., we have all this anti-Russia propaganda. And in Russia, you know, they have all this anti-West propaganda. No matter where you go, I mean, they're going to push their own agendas on you. But I'm saying, you know, if the U.S. government stumbled upon some sort of insanely advanced technology, then, and, you know, nobody else knew that it existed, there was no leaks about it, then, of course, they they can obviously keep that a secret. Who was it? Was it Buzz Aldrin that was saying that something else was going on on the moon? Here we can't, we're on the planet, we can't even agree on anything. We can't agree on, we can't agree on whether or not we went to the moon, right? There's still conspiracy. So, I mean, I guess, you know, releasing such information to the world would be sucky anyway. But it still doesn't matter. I mean, it still comes back to how do you live your life alone. I mean... You can live your life and think that there are, I don't know, there's alien civilizations. Does it change how you live your life? If you found out that uh, God made himself present today and made himself known to you uh, through very blatant signs, okay, like he was standing in front of you, does it change how you live your life? Or I think, do you, I or think do you, for most people that would change their life. I mean... Are we assuming just a totally different God than what we currently understand a God to be? Or are we talking like Judeo-Christian? Well, if we're just going, let's say, Judeo-Christian, and let's say God made himself appear, and, you know, we, we can make him look whatever we want, right? It's podcast, so, okay, so he's the old guy with the long white beard and whatever, just for the sake of the podcast. And he came down and he said, you know what, guys? Hey, fuckers, I'm real. I'm here right now, okay? Now, the way that you live your life... Even if you change after that, right? Are you just doing it out of fear? Are you doing it like, ah, oh, shit, I better stop sleeping with those whores and I better, like, start cleaning up my act so I can go to heaven, right? Because, holy crap, if he's real, then chances are heaven's real, hell's real, all of that. I don't know. Is it fear or is it just adoration? I mean... That's a big thing because if you're not... Let's say you are, if you have true faith, and to have true faith is something that's amazing, right? I mean, to believe in something that you, your senses really, there is no visual proof. There's nothing you could turn around and say to your buddy, hey, Joe, just check it out. I was hanging out with God, and we're kicking back out of beer, and, and, you know, he told me this and that, right? Joe would probably think you're nuts first off. Okay, but even if God had written down a handwritten note to you and says, you know, tell Joe about me too, Joe would still think you're nuts. You know, there's nothing that we could do or say or prove. But even if God made himself visible, I think most people would change their ways or probably adapt more out of fear than admiration. 
I don't. I don't think. So. I mean, I don't know. It's very possible. But let's say also, let's think about okay. If let's let's take that question of God real. Is God real? Let's say God is real. Well, if God, like the Bible says, He knitted you within your mother's womb, right? So He knew you. He created you. You were everything to Him, right? And that's such a great idea, right? You were built with purpose. You were built for a reason that no matter what in this world, somebody's always going to love you, someone's going to be there for you, they're going to take care of you. But at the same time, doesn't that make God already know your flaws? He made your flaws in you. So he already knows whether you're going to be just like this sarcastic asshole. I don't know. I think if you subscribe to the idea of a God that's already very involved in his creation, then you then God would set you up with trials and tribulations and things to overcome. Why? Why, why do you assume he? that? Why wouldn't he? I mean, if you look I mean, look, if we're going to continue talking about, like, Judeo-Christian God, then of course, like, you know, this life is pretty much a test. I mean, it's a test to worship God and do what you should do as a good human being. And then what? And then you go to heaven. For what? Eternity? Who the fuck knows? I mean, think about it. I mean, at best, humans have a, what, a 80 to 90 year lifespan at this time on the planet. And then you just die and that's the big... You get a hundred year test and then for eternity, you get taken care of and, and you live the life of what we perceive as heaven. Right? I mean, soul is not a term that we find in the Bible. It's something that humans created, right? The Bible, if you actually can take that for any relevance, and the only reason that I, I put down the Bible is because man has messed with it, right? Synchronous gospels were created hundreds of years after Jesus Christ walked the planet or they were finished, they were altered, they were modified. There's so many non-canical books in the scripture that aren't obviously because they're non-canical part of the Bible, but yet they were still written at the same time frame uh, that taught that teach completely different lessons. Okay, but yeah, so if if you have those objections with the Bible, then that would just make you non-Christian. I mean, well, does it make you? I mean, is it possible? I mean, we all know that Jesus Christ walked this planet, right? I mean, I don't think there's a society around that denounces. Christ's existence, how it's perceived what Christ is, whether or not he was the son of God or whether he was a prophet or the Messiah, those are what really is questioned, especially if you're looking at Judeo-Christianity versus Judaism, that's where that's where they differ because they say Jesus was just simply a prophet. He wasn't the Messiah. Yeah, I mean, you say the same thing about a million different guys, I'm sure. I mean, like, what's his name? Uh, whatever, Hubbard? invented Scientology. I mean, you L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah, you don't think of him as, like, you know, some sort of deity or prophet or whatever. Well, no, because, I mean, I'm not personally don't subscribe to Scientology. I've read L. Ron Hubbard's work. I haven't studied it as intently as, let's say, a Scientologist did or does. Um, well, if he did, he'd be a cult member, but... Well, I mean, that, that's <laughs> up to you. I mean, you have various, you know, popular celebrities like uh, Tom Cruise, right? He's probably the one that pops to my mind the f fastest. That, you know, he turns around and he, and he gives everything to 
you know, Scientology, and he believes that this is what made his life work, and that's what turned it around, and he had so many instances of problems before Scientology. So it was something that worked for him. Like, we, we've had conversations between you and I, between Joel Osteen. Yeah. You, you don't think very highly of him. Why? Uh, because he preys on the poor and people's faith. But why do you think he preys on the poor? Does hope have value? Isn't it just back to the same conversation that we're talking about where people want to have meaning in their life? They want to feel special. They want to feel loved. They want to feel like they belong. And here, Joel Osteen gets on XM Radio, Sirius XM Radio. He gets on the television. He's syndicated throughout the world. And he gives people hope for half an hour. And it's free. It's free. You don't have to. I mean, well, if you're paying for SiriusXM, you know, you got to pay for that. But you can always go to his website if you're website enabled. You can go anywhere and you can get his message for free. He doesn't draw a salary off the church. Okay, yeah. But he has a private jet. Like, come on, get fucking real. Well, no, I mean, listen, the guy gets money and obviously he's utilizing being a pastor to write books and to make other deals and I know he's very much into owning cell sites and, and things of that nature. He had a lot of a lot of investment opportunities that he took and, and used. And probably because of his relationship with uh, Lakewood Church, he it did propel him to super wealthy. Now, that still doesn't make him a bad guy. Does it make it a bad guy because he doesn't give as much as you think he should give? Or how's he preying on somebody if he can give if I can get that message for free, I can get some hope for free. Okay, well, okay. Here's the deal, though. He's preaching a book that encourages charity. Okay, but he so, does give to charity. But he has a private jet. Okay, so... He need a private jet. Why is it that Joel Osteen gets a pass on flying around in a jet, meanwhile nuns are sitting there covered from head to toe working their whole lives, making no money, living essentially just off the church. So you think that's... providing to the people. Okay, so that's a good idea, but let's explore it a little bit. Yeah, why does Joel Holstein need a private jet to spread the word of God? Explain that. Let's unbox it a little bit, right? So you're comparing Joel Osteen to a nun, right? Or we can compare Joel Osteen to a priest. Right. Well, number one, one is Roman Catholic, the other is not. So a nun and a priest have devoted their life, devoted their life. Change it to a okay, uh, an Orthodox missionary who's fucking sleeping in tents while spreading his message to like fucking tribes. So you think that that is more worthy than Joel Osteen? I think it's more honest. It's more honest. Okay, so let's let's flip it on you a little bit. Now, Joel Osteen. He utilizes his technology, he utilizes that airplane, he utilizes the airwaves in order to reach millions and millions of people and give them hope on a daily basis and spread somewhat of the word of God, okay? I've listened to Joel Osteen. He isn't exactly number one in, in Bible theology, okay? He uses the same, same things over and over again. But when you do listen to his word, you believe, you know what, oh my God, there's somebody, there's something out there that loves me and that there's my life has meaning and purpose now what that missionary that you're talking about who he went away and he's sitting there and he's trying to help the poor and he's 
creating clean water and toiletry for, you know, for people, not toiletries, I'm sorry, but sanitary conditions. But he doesn't affect me at all. He doesn't impact my world. Why is it all about you? Well, it's not about me, but you're saying that the worth of the worth of religion has to be done at a meager level. Where did you learn that? Who told you? Who said it's meager? Why is it meager? Well, you just said Joel Osteen gets a plane. He gets a free pass, right? But a nun, a nun doesn't get a, they don't get a jet. The missionary doesn't get a jet. They have both meager or what right, you consider so, meager existences. But even, okay, no, even if you take into account that Joel Olstein helps people on a big, a large scale. Why does Joel Olstein need Jen? Why does he need all these luxuries? Why does he need to have a $10,000 suit on when he shares his message? Does it matter? Because he looks better in it. Why does it matter? He's talking about God. He's supposed to be spreading his message. But so, why are you so against him for having those things, but still spreading hope because and joy? Because I think if you're trying to spread a message God and a message of charity and all this nonsense and you're going to charge people for prayers then I think that money should be going towards a charitable cause or a good cause you don't think that Not he gives Joel Olstein's next $10,000 fucking suit okay so you're, you're upset basically with how much Joel Osteen spends on charity and you think he should give more is that what you're saying? I don't think he should have the luxuries he, ha- he has I think if he's I think if he was true to his message, then he would be donating, you know, the majority of all the income he in, he brings in. Okay, so if, if we he's had less... truly Christian, then he should be spending that money to to build homes for homeless, to feed people. But you're saying he doesn't. I'm not saying he so doesn't. I, I'm I saying he could do he could do more, but instead he does little and then reaps the benefits for himself. There's no reason he can't charter a fucking flight. Well, that's very true, and there's no reason that he couldn't fly commercial. I guess going to Uganda would be something different. But let's say, okay, if you were if you were a missionary, and let's say, you know, you went to some tribe, and and their currency was elderberries, okay, for just whatever it's elderberries, and every single time that the missionary came and helped them with a the project, they felt you know, that they had to give this guy elderberries. So he had the most elderberries in the village, and therefore he was able to have the biggest hut. And he, he wound up having the biggest hut, and he wound up having some luxuries in his life. Then I don't like that guy either. You don't like him. So he you basically want, you want religion, and you want hope to be spread on the terms that you dictate what you feel is appropriate versus... You know what? This guy does so much good for the world, he shouldn't indulge no, in any kind of luxury. Want, what I want is for fucking people to be consistent. You know, if you want to be, you know, flying in private jets and driving a Ferrari and all this shit, you know, don't sit there and preach charity and God to me. Because that's not what you're doing. But have you... Okay, how many times have you actually listened to Joel Osteen? I've listened to him. Okay, so what does he preach about? He doesn't, you know what? We went to a Lutheran church... At one point, and almost you know, the entire hour was the pastor up there screaming about charity and giving, giving, giving. Okay, I I don't feel like I got closer to any kind of spiritual sense at that point. All I kept feeling was this guy really needs my money. You know, is he more holy? I didn't say that. 
where I mean, but I think this is where we come down in society and people's lives where I think it pisses them off that somebody who can do good also has a private jet or has a mansion or has this or that because they feel that they're being preyed upon. But even though, let's say you could take anybody, the richest people in the world, and you could see how much money they give to charity, but for some people it's just not enough. It's never enough because it doesn't mean, because they're not living your life. If they were living your life and they were living in an apartment, they were driving a used car, if they were doing whatever that was, then, then they would be acceptable. I think you're trying to twist my words here because this is, no, this is not true. Because, for instance, I'm here, I'm... I mean, you could look at someone like, um, let's, let's just take Elon Musk. All right, Elon okay. Musk. He's doing plenty of things that he feels are to better the world, and he's making a lot of money doing it. I have no problem with Elon Musk making a lot of money because he's not sitting there and making that money by talking to people who are who are clearly like who are clearly using you know this hope religion as a crutch and then spending all their money on so extravagance. It's okay for Elon Musk to charge the United States government for SpaceX missions and loading up their payload, but at the same time exploiting that in order to launch his own satellites for his own internet. And then also harvesting that technology that he learns and that he's adapted from the government in order to um, maybe expand life onto Mars. That's okay with you? Tell me one time where Musk has said he's doing this for charity. No, no, Musk has said that he's doing this for humanity. He's never said he's doing it for God or anything. He and, said he's doing it for humanity. Let, let, me, let, me, let me further expand on that. It takes a lot of fucking money to launch a satellite into space. It takes zero money to tell, pe- tell someone about God. Even if you take someone like Joel Olstead who's doing it on a massive scale, it doesn't take that much money. How much money does it take to... Uh, to use bandwidth to to yeah, and do create. And you think I'd be giving him any shit if he did that, and then he showed up in a Hugo Boss suit? Okay, so the fact is that he took a little church and he made it into a mega church that he still had to pay the city for. He has to lease that building from him, and the fact that he has millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people that are working for him that he's paying a good salary to, in order to assist in spreading the word of God. He's not taking the salary and that, okay, yes, he is utilizing his reputation from the church in order to further his book sales and uh, television programs. That's fine. I mean, that's how he's learned a way to monetize what he's saying. So if let's say somebody turned around and, and they really connected with what you say today. And because of that, a sponsor came along. Does that make you a hypocrite if you take it? And then you use that money and let's say next time you show up and you're wearing a Ralph Lauren polo. Here's the deal though. I'm not doing it by making claims that I can push through a super prayer to God for you for $20. This is the fucking thing that pisses people off about somebody like Joel Olstein. Okay? That he has some super prayer bullshit that you can buy from him and he'll send a super prayer to God for you. Like it's better than a regular prayer. And obviously these people are in a vulnerable time in their lives. 
if they're fucking spending $20 on a prayer. Okay. So let me ask you a question. So the Pope, Roman Catholicism. I don't like him either. I mean, I don't know what the fuck you want from me here. But isn't he doing the same thing? Isn't he telling you to tithe your income, to give 10% of what you make in order to go to the church? Now, <clears throat> per the Bible, right, it says that the reason that we tithe is to bring our money together in order to reach out to other people, to help other people. But yet, if I go into a Catholic hospital, that bill is just as much as a not-for-profit hospital. So if I go into Advent, a seven-day Advent, okay, maybe not Roman Catholic, okay, and I go into HCA, my bill is going to be pretty much the same thing, okay? One of them is making tax-free income under the name of God. Yeah, that's fucked up. That is fucked up. Okay. So what's your argument So here? what's the big thing with Joel Osteen driving around in a jet? He's not coming around to you. He doesn't... He, he's not saying it in his messages and those those half an hour sermons. He makes his money preying on the weak and vulnerable. And you don't think the Pope does? I'm not defending the Pope either. I don't know where we got this position that I'm pro Pope from, okay. but I'm fucking not. <laughs> all right. So let's just say, all right, so you have the ability of prayer. I have the ability of prayer, right? We could just put out these super prayers for everybody. Right? That's what we'll do right now. We'll just put out super prayers. You know, God in heaven, super prayers to everybody who, you know, needs something taken care of in their life. Right? It, the, it still backs down to the same question, like, why we do all of this? Or, or what's the whole purpose here, right? So, is Joel Osteen hedonistic because he, he he's self-serving? He's, he's pleasure principle? And that his product is just merely humans. I mean, what's the difference then? I mean, at that point, you could really push the boundaries on this, and you can say Joel Osteen is a human trafficker, except he is a human soul trafficker. Look, I'm not going to call him a human trafficker, okay? I'm just saying, I mean, conceptually, we could say that same thing. You know, please don't sue us, Joel Osteen, but you know, I'm not saying that. It's just a concept. I just think it's wrong to, you know, use religion of all things to make your money. All right. So, what do you want to make your money on? You know, make make your money on goods and services. No, no, no. You, you. Know, what are you? What are you trying to make your money on? Writing. Writing. Okay. So you want to be creative and you want to push a product to sell somebody, right? Sure. Okay. So anybody who reads your books, at that point, if they're not happy, you give them their money back. No, they bought the book. Oh, but they're not happy. I didn't say I offered a fucking 30-day refund. But I'm right? sure on the back cover of the dust jacket, right, or the electronic version of the manuscript, right, whatever it is, right, you're going to turn around and be like, this is like a mind-blowing book, you know? Oh, my God, you're just going to be, this is this is super, it's phenomenal. You write about sci-fi fantasy, correct? Yeah. Okay, so what if it's not? What if it's not everything I thought it should be? Well, that, Give I your money guess, back? You know, you read a shitty story. Okay. I mean, so. but that's, that's totally different. I mean, obviously, reading is something... Or taste is something subjective. All right. You know, so, for we... instance, I didn't like the Avatar movie. I wouldn't spend money to go see it. Plenty of people saw it and loved it. I saw it later on. I thought it was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen. I honestly, I, I mean... told everybody Avatar two would suck. 
Nobody listened to me. Everyone spent money again, and everyone said, oh, this fucking city. That's good. We should actually use this as a promo, because the Avatar movie is out everywhere right now, and... You know, I like the Avatar movie, the original one, the first one, like which happens with so many sequels. You know, and it was a, it was okay. It was a pretty cool idea, and you know, kind of follows through with what humans, I think, would do. We'd go find something precious on another planet and then rape the crap out of it. You know, and steal from the indigenous people. Right? We could see that we did that here with the the American Indians and all over the world. We did the same thing. Okay, Avatar two, oh, way of the water. Okay. I mean, what did they do? They just, okay, they just made everybody blue, and we went through the whole thing all over again. I couldn't make it through the movie. I got an hour into this movie, and I was completely bored. It had nothing to do with anything. There was no originality in it. There was nothing, and that's Disney, right? Isn't that a Disney Is that Disney? I I think Avatar 2, you can probably watch it on Disney, okay? Avatar 2 is Disney, okay? And what are they doing? They're just sitting there and preying upon people. It's the same thing with Disney World, Disneyland. So your argument with Joel Osteen is just pure, raw, against capitalism, it seems. No, it's absolutely not. Uh, If you could defend yourself on this, that would be fine with me. My ears are open. Look, okay, I can be okay with free market capitalism... And disagree with a, a specific business's practice or a person's practice. It doesn't mean I disagree with free market capitalism. Well, is it? Uh, let's take all of your capitalism that you're talking about here. Hold you're on, hold on, cap- hold on, hold on. Okay. All right. So let's say you like a band, right? I'm with and you. And you say this album that this band made sucks. Does that mean that you hate the entire band's content library? No, not at all. No. Okay. So, if I say I like free market capitalism, and then somebody who, you know, obviously is making money in a capitalist society, all right, in a way that I don't like, I can dislike them but not dislike the system. But you're you're making very specific claims on, like, Joel Osteen. Yeah, so- because I personally believe that it's disingenuous to make a, an uber amount of money and, you know, live a, a life of luxury Let me let me ask you a question. religion. If, let, let's say you got to spend a day in the life with Joel Osteen, right? And it turns out that, you know, Joel takes you on to his, his, his whatever, his G6, and, you know, he's flying you around. But the whole time, like, you know, you're sitting there and you're kind of expecting, like, the booze and broads type scenario, and... He just drops to his knees and he starts praying. And he's sending out those super prayers from, from 35, 40,000 feet, right? Oh, would that higher t- up, that's it? No, 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 what I'm just saying, yeah, he's really part of the Mile High Club at that point, right? So, no, what I'm saying is, would that change your perspective? If every time that he, if you were in a day in the life of him and before he got in his pool or he climbed out of bed in his mansion and every single time he just, he dropped down and he gave worship, and he prayed, and he actually was coming through with the things that he says. Would that change your mind on him? No. Okay, so you're you have... You're fucking in a G6, and you're telling other people that you need donations 
to give them a fucking super prayer. Hey, the G6 isn't going to power itself, okay? He doesn't and need if a G6. Gonna, if you're going to drop down on your knees while you're praying in a G6, the last thing you need is no fuel in that fucker. You don't need a G6 So isn't but the is it, word of God. But is it, isn't capitalism all the same thing? It's, it's perpetuated by marketing. Marketing is nothing but bullshit, okay? So listen, I work in I work as a nurse in home health, okay? And the company's name is not important, okay? But what is important is that there's 200 other home care companies that are competing with me. We offer the same things, man. We offer the skilled nursing, the physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, whatever it is, right? We offer those services in the home, okay? But we really have great marketers. Now, if I go to Joe's home care down the road and he offers the same product okay aren't i being manipulative because i'm spending money okay in order to get your attention no what but okay so joel can't do that the local pastor he's a better guy because he doesn't do that yes oh okay so he's a, he sucks at marketing himself so he sucks and it's those who are religion it's not a business Separate I, I the two. Isn't religion always been a business? No, it hasn't. Really? Didn't we fight the Crusades over religion? Weren't I the nine eleven with the Crusades? Wasn't the Pentagon and nine eleven the Twin Towers? Weren't they You're both arguing protect? literally the most horrible aspects of religion? I don't understand your angle here. Because religion is always about control. It's the same thing as free market capitalism. It's about control and domination of the market. Don't go to the Baptist. The Methodists are better. Don't go to the Methodists. Oh, you don't like the Methodists, the Baptists, or the Christians, the Catholics? Well, come to us. We're non-denominational, and we use rock music, and we have frappuccinos at the beginning of the line. Yeah, but they're not free frappuccinos. No, but they do offer coffee for you. They open their doors, and for an hour, you get free entertainment, right? Sure. Okay, so... Free. Okay, so the people that... Yeah, capitalize and monetize also it. see those churches. You know, they're not, they don't have fucking jets, dude. They don't have all this other extravagant shit. The pastor's not coming up in a $10,000 suit. You know, these things are the things I'm talking about. Does Joel Olstein need a $10,000 suit to preach? Does he, to say, send the same message, does he need that suit? Is his message impacted by it? Okay, I'm listening well, well, to him well. on the radio. Okay, so let's let's back this out another way. So, um, well, let's go the the pure insurance salesman route, okay, or the financial advisor route. So, is the financial advisor's route who shows up to your house, driving a a twelve year old Toyota Camry? Is he the same guy as the guy who's showing up in a Porsche nine eleven Carrera? Salesman? Probably not. Okay, so who are you more likely to probably trust with your money? The guy with the Camry? Or the guy who's got the 911 Carrera that actually is kind of flaunting his money a little bit? What am I shopping for? Well, let's say insurance, financial planning, whatever it is. He's a financial planner. Let's say you need a financial planner. Okay, one shows up in a, in a Toyota. a financial planner, then yeah, I'm going to pick the guy who makes more money. Oh, but, but okay, so he but needs yeah, that. So if I'm shopping for religion... All right, I'm gonna shop for the guy who's the most pious. So you, for you, that would mean that that man has to keep such a low key. Yes. Okay. So now with 
him, let's say, he really wants you to find the word of God. That's his heart. That's his belief. So he needs to, he indulges. Okay, yes, he indulges in himself. I get what you're saying with the G6 and the mansion. But what I don't understand is, so he makes money, but he spreads the word on a global scale. So in order to find a good minister to you, you really have to go find a missionary who's poor or rich in Elderberry, right? He's the more... I'm not saying they have to be poor. I'm saying I don't want them to have an extravagant lifestyle that they obtained by preying on people in their, in their hardest times of life. You know, you don't pay Joel Olstein for a super prayer because everything's going fucking swell for you. Are but you if paying I, him because you're going through a trying time? I don't want to keep pounding on Joel Osteen, but nah, fuck Joel Osteen. you have you have a choice. You have a choice. You can listen to Joel, or you can turn Joel off. You can go to your local church. But what I'm saying to you is very simply that a lot of the people that listen to Joel, they can't leave their house. They can't get to the church. The church has abandoned them. They have left them in their time of need because... They're too busy flaunting on their congregation. Look, I personally think religion sucks. All religion, for that matter. Judaism, Judeo-Christian, Muslim, all of them. All of them have lost the word of God somehow, okay? Because any time that I think man gets involved, we screw it up, man. We screw it up and we always have to, it's always for our own self-gain. Right? Which breaks down to the whole original concept. The reason we're here is, right, is people are out for themselves. This is the one thing I tell people all the time. I feel that no matter who you meet in this world, they're always out for something at one point or another from you. I think the society in general is hedonistic. It's self-serving. It's pleasure principle only. You could go with stoicism if you want to. Build your own, you know, create your own rights and wrongs, your morality, whatever it's going to be. But isn't that the end? I mean, all we're doing right now is just we work for ourselves, we do for ourselves. You can't do, and tell me, do you you get out of work, you work a 40 hour week? Right? Yeah. Okay, so you get out of work and you go down and you help the kids at the shelter, right? I didn't say I did. Okay, but why not? Why the fuck would I want to do that? Okay, so what do you do? What yeah, do you do? You I, get out of work, 5 uh, o'clock. two things in saw out of self-interest. Out of self-interest, okay. So it's pleasure principle, correct? Sure, I don't think it's, I mean, it's all, not, it's not all immediate pleasure, but yeah, I guess in, in essence. What do you mean it's not immediate pleasure? I'm Why would you do it unless it's immediate pleasure? Immediate gratification, isn't that what this whole because world... Because there's something called delayed gratification. Oh, you're going to go the, the Matthew McConaughey route, the... Mailbox money, the residual, the RTI, the residual, the return on investment, the ROI, right? What pay, put, what you work on today pays dividends in the future. Yeah. Okay, so we, let's say Friday, you got at work, five o'clock, steam whistle blew, okay? You left your quarry, whatever you did, okay? I don't know why all of a sudden you're working like Fred Flintstone and you're at a quarry, but whatever. Probably better shape. You probably would be, right? Me too. Both of us. And you, you got out of work and what did you do Friday? Fuck if I remember. Uh, I was just glad to be out of work on Friday. Shit. Well, I, I agree. <laughs> Fridays are kind of rough. 
But what did you do? Did, I mean, did you did you go do charity? Did you help anybody else? No. Okay, so everything that you did on Friday night, was it really for you? I guess, yeah. Okay, so whether it was immediate gratification or what would, what would be something that you did on Friday night that was long-term or delayed gratification? I don't know, writing, making designs, things like that. Okay. So you believe those things will pay off dividends in the future? Yeah. All right. So in anywhere in your life, is charity a part of it? No. Okay, so your work in nature, I mean, is it to make lives better for people? No. No. So it's just, really, you're only working to pay your own way so you can pleasure yourself. That sounds dirty. That's naughty. You're pleasuring yourself. But yeah, but I don't claim Hey, look, the spit screen works. There you go. <laughs> just let you know. Like I said, I'm not... But I'm also not working as a pastor collecting people's money for something that I cannot do. So it really, it's based on what you're thinking is each individual. So if society was really pressured you into committing 10% of your free time a week into doing something charitable, or you would be ostracized publicly somehow, whether it be online or, you know, they texted you or whatever it was. You know, your phone, I mean, you just turn off your do not disturb. But would you do it then? Well, I mean, yeah, if I was raised to be charitable, you know, and all society was charitable, then yeah, probably. Okay, Maybe so... the only fucking person who doesn't help out of the soup kitchen? Probably not. <laughs> but, so, I think we're both agreeing that and maybe through different means that the purpose or we've restructured our purpose in life to be self-serving 100% we don't have plans to have a is there a purpose in your life if I just asked you straight out Mitchell why why are you here why are you on this planet What's, is, do you have a purpose for existing? Could you answer that question? Yeah, purpose is to find out. It's to find out, okay. So, and, and how do you do that? Do you, do you explore it somehow? Living life. Living, but are you living life? If you're, let's say you, let's say you worked remote, and you, you punched out a five, and, and you turned around, and you went straight into your art, or your writing, or, well, say video games, right? Seems to be popular. So, if you did that, how, how are you living life? Are you living life, or are you, are you engaged, really, in living? Or are you just passing time until we die? Isn't that what living is? Passing time until you die? I don't know. I mean, when you... I mean, look, I mean, no. Like, you know, you're born and then you die, and then what's in between is life. You know, how you spend that time is your prerogative. Well... Okay, so... Would you say Picasso didn't live a life because he spent all of his time doing paintings? Those same paintings, years later, still make an impact on people's lives. Do they make an impact? I mean, Picasso doesn't make an impact on my life. Maybe I'm not... Yours, maybe somebody else. It's maybe possible. just some guy who's gonna fucking, I don't know, cure cancer one day. Maybe he saw a, Pica a Pablo Picasso painting 
and that's what his inspiration was. So maybe he drew something, he pulled something from that. So you're pulling on the butterfly effect. Yeah, I mean, everything has, everything creates ripples. Okay. So, you think that life is just your journey, right? We're going to go back to Tom Cochran days. Life is a highway. Miley Cyrus, for those born in the 2000, right? It's the mountain, it's the climb, right? So, yours is all about our Aerosmith days, right? Life is, you know, it's not about the destination. It's about the ride. I don't think, I, no, I don't think that. I think that you go through the journey and you better yourself and you become more defined as a person. And I think that the end goal of life is to be the best version of yourself that you can muster. Just as long as you don't have a G6 and pray to God. Not, I didn't say that. <laughs> I just said I disagree with somebody owning a G6 that they they made the means, means for through a religion. I think that's disingenuous. I think it's wrong. All right. So, all right, you're still, I guess we still come back to hedonistic, right? But what if your, what if your purpose in life is to help somebody? What it's, let's, let's, let's go along the lines with, you have a soul and each lifetime, let's, let's put forth the concept of reincarnation. And each time our, our soul, let's call it a soul for lack of a better word. What if our soul, every time we come back, is here to learn something new? As, do you think that you're accomplishing your goal by staying home, by self-indulgence? And do you think like the world has become more self-indulgent as, as generations have come and gone? It seems to me that today's world seems to be very self-indulgent, set, very set in their privilege, instead of trying to reach back out and help other people. Oh, sure, we scream about it. We scream about equal rights at every chance we get. But what do, what do people actually do in order to make equal rights? What do people do to make somebody else's life better? I mean, are we doing that? Do we do that? Is it even a is there a point in doing that? Is any of the shit... Let's go with... Nihilism. Does anything matter, right? Give it up to Queen on that one. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, if there's something beyond, then things matter. But we don't know. And we have that question, that eternal question. We don't know what's beyond. Well, wouldn't that take all the fucking fun out of it? If I don't you know. knew what was on the other side the entire time. My thought is that you, that this life actually shows your true character, your true color. And through time, and whether or not you would abuse and you would take advantage of somebody for something as common as money, I mean, that's, to me, that, that's taking advantage of it. No matter what scale, whether it's, you know, pastor on a G6 scale, um, some psychotic man launching rocket ships and building electric cars right and buying Twitter for public or political use okay or whether it's an individual who's just simply 
exploiting others in order to make their own money. Yeah, I think exploitative business is bad. Mm-hmm. So I think Joel Olstein's business is exploitative. I don't think Elon Musk's business is exploitative. That's why I have a problem with one and not the other. You know, I mean, if somebody was going around extorting money from businesses for, you know, quote-unquote protection, I wouldn't think that's a good idea either. So you're I against the mob, right? Mob. Yeah. I'll take a public stance now against the mob. Mitchell Steffens lives at 321 Westward Avenue Mob. We're just letting you know this. West Virginia. West Virginia. West Virginia. Yeah, we'll say it's West Virginia. Um, Oh, okay. So what is the... They're really... I mean, can we just simply say if if this is a test, if everything that you're telling me is a test, right? If we were going to go into that whole uh, Judeo-Christian culture and what we do here reflects in the afterlife. Assuming an afterlife exists. Uh, does it really matter? Just got a pair of bones here. Right? We do what we have to do to survive. I mean, yeah. So, nothing matters. No, I think things matter. But... Do they matter on a societal level or as more of like a cosmic level? Do you think if you go out and and you have sex with a nine-year-old girl, does it affect you cosmically or down to the cell, you know, the soul, right? I think it affects that little girl. But what does it matter to you? What do you care if the little girl is affected? Because I'm not a piece of shit. I don't know. Okay, but where did the whole idea that it was a piece of shit to begin with come from? Society, right? Sure. Uh, look, I'm not advocating to go out and, and molest little children, obviously. Okay? The last thing I want to do is see a little child hurt. because, And the only reason I think that is because I believe that children are innocent. They're, they don't have to be exposed to this kind of crap at an early age. Okay? Nor does anybody have to be anything against their will. Okay? But... I think the difference is where people won't do something because it's a societal law versus something that affects them. Let's use karma, okay? I don't think... Is there a rule? Is karma coming back to get you if you had sex with a nine-year-old? I don't know. And would it really matter whether they were nine or whether they were... 20 and you just simply had your way with somebody it's just wrong i mean i think we have a good sense of right and wrong built within ourselves i don't need a law to tell me that rape is a bad thing right i mean history argues that you're wrong what why does history argue that i'm wrong i mean because I mean, I'm like, that's a good question for I me mean, literally humans exist mainly because of rape that, I mean, that's up until a pretty like, bold until, statement. I mean, up until like 500 years ago, the majority of people, you know, were born as a product of like rape or, you know, forced. Sex. Why do you think, well, how do you say that? How do you make that claim? That's that's an outrageous claim. You're saying that true. two people didn't want to have sex? History. You can look at, I'm not saying people didn't willingly have sex. I think, well, I think there were more people that were willing to have sex and not willing to have sex. Okay, you literally take one example. Like, look at, like, uh, Genghis Khan. 
Okay, uh, we're taking a very small fraction of the human population. That, that's, that's creepy Google kicking back. Google, I think you should stop. Okay, so Google has stopped. So you're, you're, you're predicating everything a human society on forced will. Again, forcing people against their will. Yeah, people were, you know, people did did battle. There was war. There was rape. There was pillaging. There was, you know, that that was most that's hu most of human history. It was only about like five hundred years ago that like people were mostly civil. Um, civil. It's a good thing to just kind of bridge out on, because. We're sitting here. We're talking about meaning of life and civil. What what makes something civil? Well, morally okay, you know, things you know function smooth, semi smoothly. You know, people are composed, conducted. So you you believe we live in a civil society? It's more civil than you know a thousand years ago. What's why? Why do you? Well, and and maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate. Maybe I'm just being a real prick, okay? But a thousand years ago versus today, what what's the difference? Is uh, it is it just the means of cruelty that has changed? Means of cruelty. There's less crime overall. You think uh, there's less crime overall today? There is. Oh, well, maybe because you didn't have to pick up a fifty pound sword in order person, to decapitate no, somebody. Person, you know, no, if you look at, like, pure numbers, I mean, and you account for population size, we're in the safest time that's there's ever been. Dude, they took Jesus and they stoned him. They spit on him. They scratched uh, him. They beat him. They whipped okay, him. Okay, so when the fuck is the last time you were walking down the street and somebody was getting stoned to death? I don't know, but today's society, I mean, how many times you hear on the radio or on the television that, you know, there was a school shooting or... The inner city of Chicago has murder and rape and everything else that's going on. Where have we become more civil as a society? Are we just are we just playing pretend? No, you're taking one like tiny area and then I'm you're not taking one. all of reality. I'm just using it as an instance of something that goes on. Chicago isn't unique. I mean, I can go to Longwood, California, and face the same problems. I can go to Miami, Florida, and face the same times problems. I can go to most metro areas and face the same kind of problems. And then if I go out into the country, I could face the same kind of problems. Yeah, and what I'm saying is that, you know, if you went to ancient Rome, you'd have more problems, you know, if you accounted for population size. Let me tell you, one of the people that I work with, and, and you know, names, like I said, names are not important on this, but came home and found her sheep and her goat shot dead. Where are we more civil as a society today than we were? In fact, I, I would, I would, I'd be willing to express that we're probably less civil as a society today than we were back then. And because of the reach and the, the ability to maneuver through the world, you know, planes, trains, automobiles, okay, we can get around and we can cause mass chaos, you know, on a national or global scale. There's nothing holding us back. I would say back in the days, if you're going to compare this to like where, you know, serfdom was the predominant 
you know, you had a couple incidents where people were whipped or flogged. I don't think you walked down the street as a commoner and they just said, Oh my god, Agatha, let me flog you. It, it, I don't think it happened that way. I mean, look, you can go, you can feel however you want to feel about it. I mean, but like, you know, since the time of written data has, you know, all the written data suggests that every single year, crime has gone down. Okay, but that's since written data actually emerged. You're assuming, and just because at one point in life that people did not write down data on how many floggings, you know, occurred in, you know, Lilith, the little town of Lilith, you know, that we've gotten better. And I would really say that we're getting worse. As time goes on, things are getting worse in this world. They're not getting better. I mean, I think, I don't know. I don't think you're looking at it, like, broadly enough. That's possible. I'm willing to listen to see what do you mean? I mean, what's... How do I have to look at this in order to... Or is it just do I have to put on rose-colored glasses? I don't think you have to put rose-colored glasses on. I think you're looking at it from a very narrow point of view. I think you're looking at it like, okay, well, you know, XYZ happens in the entire world. So the entire world is becoming worse off. But I think really, if you... If you went back in time to the 70s and you injected Facebook and all this other nonsense where, you know, news is just shared and repeated and shared and repeated over and over and over again, then you would see shit was way worse back in the 70s. There was more crime. And less people. Less crime or the ability to not spread the word as much? I think there was more crime in the 70s. I think there was more crime and it was... It was being, it was less shared. So I think, okay, you have a school shooting that happens in fucking Arkansas in, you know, the 60s, right? Is that going to be replayed and repeated and every newscaster in fucking the U.S. is going to report on it like they are today? No, it's probably going to be just to the state of Arkansas. Maybe the other surrounding states would hear about it. But well, you sitting in, you know, where you are would never fucking hear about it. So, okay, and if, as far as back as we can go with recorded time, I, I think you're right as the, the part of violent crime has decreased. Okay? Just since an industrial society. And I think you have to make that distinction between an industrial nation and, you know, versus third world country... Uh, there definitely is, is is a big difference because if I go to very poor sections, you know, throughout the world, it doesn't have to be Africa or South America, but just, you know, poverty-stricken nations, you know, do you think crime increases based on poverty levels? Obviously, I mean, yeah. Oh, a violent crime, though. Does violent crime increase? Yeah, violent crime increases. Okay. It's a known so, fact. All right, so now, if we take a step back and we look, we t- get away from violent crime. And we just talk about crime in general, or let's just say sin against humanity, doing each other wrong. Do you think that's decreased too? That depends. I mean, if you're looking at it purely from a legal standpoint, then yeah, it's decreased. Well, you're okay. You're talking about, but I'm where one thing is violent crime, and the other is crime against humanity. Jordan. Maybe I'm not phrasing that correctly, but how we treat each other. Do you think there's more sense of society 
in today's world versus in the years before us. Meaning, not so much. Let's not focus on battery and, and homicide and, and you know rape, murder. Let's think about it: how we treat each other. Do people treat each other better today than they did two hundred years ago? No. Five hundred years ago. No. Thousand years ago. No. But so, I don't know what that has to do with civility. A civility, because what you're saying is that crime has dropped. Well, you and I'm going to agree with you because I can only go based on history, right? There's obviously the United States has kept uh, significant records of violent crimes in the accounts, and they they weigh them year to year. And it goes without saying that violent crime has gone down tremendously. Now, I'm just saying that we're shifting. I think a lot of humans are suck, okay? They're just, they're out for themselves. Society comes up with new rules, new methods to isolate individuals, to boost their own egos, to make themselves feel special and unique and give themselves a purpose in life where you're focusing on just how many people died, right? So how many times, even let's just say, go back to your childhood, were there times where people just made you feel bad? Yeah, but I mean, I think that's that's always existed. Okay, so do you think people are inherently good or inherently bad? Are we inherently self-serving, being so preoccupied with our own selves that we care less about our neighbors and is that a growing trend well I think it's pretty average I mean, I mean I'm saying it, I'm say, I'm sure it's pretty it's pretty much the average to be self-serving I mean if you took a person from if you took a person from birth and put them on a fucking island with five other people I think they'd probably band together out of self-interest and form a community. Kind of like a Lord of the Flies situation? I mean, I'm not, I'm not even talking about Lord of the Flies. I'm just saying... Well, I mean... Uh, it's just... a typical thought experiment. I mean, if you... Let's say you were taken from birth, or let's just say you were fucking, I don't know, 18 years old, some arbitrary age, all right? And you and four other people were, were just dropped on an island, you know, all together. Those are the only people that you're ever going to see. You're probably going to form a community with those people. Just for survival. Just for survival. It's a self-serving interest. Right, but I think that because that need to band together with other people to survive is going away, I think there's less sense of community for people. I, I would... And here I'm saying that I don't think it's a sense like that. I think it's it's just people doing what people do. I think that people are just, they really are. They're self-absorbed. And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that I'm all out for everybody else in this world. I, I am actually one of those, or what it seems like, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like I actually, I do care. I do care about helping other people. I, I, but that too is self-satisfaction, isn't it? Because if I get... A good sensation for it. 
Um, are you doing it for the good sensation? Or am I doing it for people, right? I mean, there's a, like this little conundrum there where you have to... What are you really doing it for? Are you doing it to help somebody or doing it for that, that feeling that you get afterwards? I don't know. I'm of the mindset that if you do good when nobody's watching, you're probably a good person. If you only do good when there's people around, then you're probably a shit person. So could you, I mean, is it, could you honestly do something for somebody else without any type of reward? Well, you can do it without expecting a reward. But even if you're getting at the sensation... Hold on, so you're telling me that you've never done something just to be nice? Uh... Like what? Like feeding somebody? No, or even at a very basic level. Hey, can you do me this favor? Sure. You know, it, it's kind of odd. I mean, I used to, and a while ago, uh, I used to I used to drive home from my office, which was, uh, I would say, a good hour away. And every time I would reach this specific corner, I had a, a homeless gentleman. And for whatever reason, I just had this very strong... Sensation. It was almost like a voice in my head that was saying, go help him. And every time I ignored that voice, it got stronger. It just, it was predominant. It didn't happen to every homeless person that i ever seen. I mean, but I did. I turned around and I went to Walmart and I, I picked up some stuff and, you know, picked up a backpack and food and, and some t-shirts and clothing. And uh, he had a little dog with him, so I got him some dog food and a little bowl and a little water that he could take with him and you know sure enough I couldn't find that man that when I went to go see him that next time and it drove me nuts and I said well you know if this is like some message some tell me to do something you know trying to be nice and trying to be helpful you know where, why the hell is the guy not here right and I decided one on one last attempt and I, I just had this instinct to turn and then go and drop off this all this stuff off and I mean at that time I mean he was saying God bless you you know thank you so much it was really it was helpful for him that's what he needed but did I do that for me or did I do that because number one I had a pesky noise a pesky noise in my brain saying do this do this and I wanted to shut up did I do it for the sensation of helping somebody else or did I just do it for the good of humanity. Why can't it be for you and for the other person? Why does that make it bad? Well, and again, I think this is something that caused me to shy away from religion was because religion or Judeo-Christianity, if we're going to be very specific, um, said that you really need to be humble in your approach and you, you shouldn't be doing it for yourself, you should be doing it for others. Right? So doing something nice and then feeling good about it if you're going to go with the typical Judeo-Christian whether it's Baptist or Methodist or, or whatever it is has kind of instructed you that you really should feel kind of bad or guilty about this if you derive any pleasure from it it's kind of messed up I don't think that's true at all meanwhile but that's something that makes me feel good I don't know how many other people feel good about doing those things I'm pretty sure it's pretty natural to feel good for doing something good so, why is that 
why don't we really promote that in society? Why is this such? Why does this have to be such a forced issue? Why does why does the government need to tax us and to assemble and, and create programs like Medicaid or welfare or Section Eights or things like that? Where why don't people do this on their own? And, and that's exactly my whole point in this this conversation is that I think we're just we're a bunch of selfish people. I don't think that not everybody is selfish, and I think we all have a degree to ourselves what we are selfish. And I think you need that, right? You need to, or well, that's what they tell me, is that you need to place priority on yourself, right? It's the old adage, put on your oxygen mask first, right? Because you can't help anybody if you're passed out. So why does it feel or at least to me, that I am one of the numbers that is shrinking where others who don't, who are self-satisfying, those people seem to be growing and that trend goes up over time. And I think, like I said, you're looking at criminal history or criminal violent uh, violent crime where I'm looking at people just torturing each other in other ways. Because people are animals. I mean, you, you look at a... You look at a, a tiger, alright? When a tiger goes and hunts its prey and kills it, alright, is the tiger being... Is the tiger wrong? Or is the tiger just being a tiger? Well, so I think they, a tiger is completely different, right? Is it? Is it really? Well, I, mean, I think you we know. are a person. You're a human being, a Homo sapien. Okay, who's to say that you are so much better than a regular animal? You know, obviously, you know every other animal behaves in a certain way. We kind of research and study and observe it. So why is it that you feel human beings cannot be researched, observed, and understood? We obviously have tendencies as human beings to do certain things a certain way, because that's just in our nature. Because I think that through our studies and, and looking at the human condition, I think we've learned that human beings really aren't born with too many um, instinctual behavior. Uh, we, we have certain things. Uh, a baby will certainly try to latch onto a nipple. Um, but we don't have any sense of survival. We're very contingent on survival from our parents. In fact, more so than most other creatures. Doesn't a baby monkey do too? Of course Okay. Okay, but we have no instinct. We have no instinctual drive. You do have to instinct. What instinct do I have? You have instinct to eat, right? You have an instinct to eat. Like I said, a baby will latch onto the mother's nipple. Okay, right. You have an instinct to explore things. People always have. Do you think that's an instinct, or do you think that's something that's learned? No, I think that's an instinct. Otherwise, how would have we explored the entire Earth? We didn't learn to build a boat and go sail to the other side of the ocean. We explored. We wanted to. We oh. did it because we wanted to try it. Do you think that's the case? Or, I mean, I if, we're, if we're looking for, you know, we can talk about Magellan, we can talk about Columbus, um, and we can, we can talk about most people who were, I guess, put forth in our history books as these explorers, and then we can look at their real lives, and we could see Magellan was obviously looking for something else. He was obviously looking for riches, 
Columbus was simply looking for a shorter trade route. But he was searching, right? He, he was he looking. Was exploring. He but, was searching. But he was, he was discovering. But was he doing it for a natural, instinctual curiosity, or was he doing it to service himself? He was looking for the shorter, faster trade route. So if he had a faster, shorter trade route, he could turn around and he could push his spices and, and gems or whatever he was you know, doing in marketing. He could push them faster and he could make more money. And ironically, Columbus died Why very is it poor. Why bad when an instinct is learned? Because it says it, that's when it, it's not an instinct anymore. But that's not true. It's learned behavior. That's not true. That is not true. I, I, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me put it this way, okay? Let's say that you're a sprinter, okay? You're a 100-yard sprinter. And every time you run a 100-yard sprint at yard 50, you start getting knee pain if you keep going the same pace. Or, or a bad example. Let's take a horse, okay? A horse is running and slips on a mud pile, okay? Out in one particular spot. Even if that mud pile is no longer there, the horse, having learned that he that, that horse fell in that particular spot, will slow down next time they run at that spot. Okay, but that's not instinct. Yes, that's, it is, though. We're talking about born instinct. Born instinct. A cat who is born okay, but has an instinct to be a predator. Every animal that exists on the planet is instinctively self-serving. Mm. But... Yeah, okay, I think where you're mixing this, or as far as I look at this, you're mixing this up, is because if I'm a sea turtle and I hatch, my instinctual behavior is to go towards the water. It doesn't need to be taught. It doesn't need to experience something in order to make it do that. That is a born instinct. Everything else that we do in order to better our lives, even that horse slipping in the mud, it's learned behavior. So, if we were to take a child, a human child, and teach it nothing, right, we would just say that's an act of cruelty. Because a baby by itself well, is not going to... A baby can't crawl. Okay, but instead of doing that, you're taking a baby, which is obviously, it cannot, you know, self-sustain. You know, if you take a one-year-old and you put him in the forest, they're going to fucking die. Okay, so again, no instinct and no significant resource in order to do that. All right, let's try this. Take, think of a fully grown person, okay? Erase their memories, and then drop them into the fucking forest. You're telling me that person's going to have no instinct on what to do? Yeah, but I still believe that it's still going to be a learned instinct. Is it? I'm saying you just wiped all their memories. Everything they've learned from society, gone. Obviously not possible or rec recreatable, but fucking, it's a thought experiment. Drop them in the forest, all right? They know they're going to need food. They know they need water. Okay? Take two of them and drop them together. All right? I'm Joe and that's fucking, I don't know, John. So you think both of them would just be, um, you think they'd die? No. I'm saying the opposite. They survive. They have instincts. Human beings have instincts. Alright? I think they'd both be self-serving. And I think... Since their instinct is to be self-serving, I think they'd naturally know that their best odd 
the best odds are together than apart. Uh, well, I think you can go back, and I think it's just an, a normal... I think people crave each other. People crave... Um, they, they need intimacy. They need companionship. I, I think um, that's something that's important. I mean, I, I don't know if that's instinctual or learn behavior, I believe it would be more of an instinct uh, that we need to be and surround ourselves with other people. I don't know, I mean, I, I would say for now, let, we could probably draw this to a conclusion, I mean, just for today, because we could probably go on and on about this forever, and whether or not people are, you know, do things for themselves, or whether there's instinctual capacities for it, uh, but it just seems that, you know, life as we know, society has just become worse. Where you've pointed out good things, where you know criminal, criminal violence or, or violent crime has decreased, that that's wonderful. Um, but I would say that's really, uh, it's really subject to where you are in this world. And we have a we have a very good privilege of being in a very developed nation. Um, we're not in Nigeria. We're not fighting for survival we're not you know looking for food we're not you know we don't have that maybe the only thing that's truly instinctual about us is our emotions and our aptitude to go and find things and to do it at someone else's free will to violate somebody else in order to get what we want I don't know. I, I just disagree. Okay. And that, that's fair. I mean, right? That's where it all starts with conversation, disagreements. So for today, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm Adam again. All right. This is Mitchell. And uh, hopefully you like and subscribe to this. And uh, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Thanks.